Today is birthday Sunday in the liturgical calendar. Pentecost marks the day the church was born and the Holy Spirit was given. It's a high and holy day for all Pentecostals and Charismatics and should be for all Christians. Pentecost was a feast of the Jews long before it became a feast of the church. It was the feast of weeks or the Jewish's Shavuot. But it comes from Leviticus chapter 23 where he says, You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a grain offering of new grain to the Lord. Now those seven Sabbaths is talking about after the Passover, okay, which coincides close by our time of Easter. The term Pentecost means 50th. So it's the 50th day after Easter for us, the 50th day after the second day of Passover for the Jews. And so we read in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. So we see here that it was a Jewish festival that was going on that the Lord took advantage of for the church. Had all these people gathered together. People came to Jerusalem from all over the region and outlying parts of the Roman Empire, and they came to participate in this feast. And that's how I would have read that passage. I said, they came from everywhere, and skipped all those hard words. <laughs> but they were from all around the known world, and, and then would find out. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Now, we heard the rest of the story read to us in this morning's scripture lesson. The crowd was hearing the apostles' testimonies of the mighty works of God. Now, there's where to miracle lies, because each nation had its own language, and they were all understanding what the apostles were saying. So, if there were 15 nations were there 15 languages being spoken by 15 different disciples all at the same time? Or was someone testifying to the mighty works of God and they were all hearing it in their own language? What was the miracle that day? Was it a miracle of speech or a miracle of hearing? It's possible that it was both but I'm not sure that one person would be speaking 15 different languages or that 15 people are speaking 15 different languages. We don't know, but we know that the confusion that was established at the Tower of Babel was being undone that day, if you remember the story of the Tower of Babel. Now, the crowds were intrigued by this phenomenon, I guess so, It'll be one thing for me to hear somebody saying something and then 
this guy next to me from China hearing the same thing, uh, that, that would be kind of amazing. So uh, we would wonder how that could be. And of course, there's others who criticize, and there's always going to be people who criticize everything. I mean, it's in their blood. It's what they do. They criticize them, saying they were drunk. Then Peter came to the front and spoke to the crowd, telling them that what they were witnessing was the fulfillment of prophecy, a prophecy that had been given by Joel. We read in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And Peter said, this is what, he said, this is that. This is what the prophet Joel was saying. How did Peter know that? How did he know in that moment that this was a fulfillment of the prophet of the prophecy that Joel had given. As a faithful Jew, Peter had probably attended synagogue every week and heard the scriptures read, but I'm pretty sure they didn't read the entire Old Testament every week. They didn't read Joel every week. We also know that Peter was not a scholar. He was an uneducated man. When he's carried before the Sanhedrin for healing the man at the, at the temple, when the leaders saw that the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So we see here that they were uneducated. So it wasn't his scholarly ability that figured that out. In fact, none of the scholars had figured it out. I believe that Peter's understanding of this completely bypassed his brain. This one slapped past him. The Holy Spirit gave this revelation to Peter, and he spoke it out. Now, that is the major work of the Holy Spirit, to give understanding. That's what he does. Now, Pentecostals and Charismatics emphasize the major work of the Spirit to be the infilling, usually with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Now, they draw this mainly from this passage and two other accounts in Acts where people were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. And we'll look at those in Acts chapter 10 and verse 46, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. This is what occurred in the house of Cornelius. It was a sovereign move of God. Peter was there preaching the gospel, they got filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in tongues. Now, this can happen. It happens in modern times. It happened to me. I was in an Episcopal church preaching to a, uh, a, a youth group, and I was not talking about the Holy Spirit. I, was, I, I, don't, I forget what I was teaching about because I was so amazed by what happened. In the middle of my teaching, a young man burst out speaking in tongues. He had never known about it before. It was a sovereign move of God, and I had to stop what I was doing and begin to explain what was going on. But what was happening was God was moving by His Spirit among those kids and bringing them into the kingdom of God. So that's one place where where we saw that. 
And then in Acts chapter 19 and verse 6, when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. This is when he came upon a group of disciples and asked them, asked them if they had received the Holy Spirit. They said, we don't, we'd never even heard of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul talked to them. Now, in all three of these events, the gift of tongues was given as proof that the people had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it was a proof to the believers or the onlookers, the one the ones who saw it, so that they would know that these people were now believers. So as a result of these three verses of scriptures, you're going to meet Pentecostal believers who say that there is no infilling without the evidence of tongues. They also maintain that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a second experience after being saved, which is what happened with Paul asking the disciples if they had heard. Now, these two concepts are at best a stretch based on their interpretation because that's not the whole teaching of Scripture. John the Baptist prophesied concerning Jesus' ministry, and he said, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, there are no accounts in any of the Gospels of Jesus doing that, baptizing anyone with the Holy Spirit. However, he did speak a word to the apostles after the resurrection. We find that in John. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. That's it. Nothing happened. Nothing happened to them of any extraordinary nature. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. So it could be that they received it then. It could be that it wasn't until the Pentecost Sunday when they got it, which would be 50-some-odd days after this event. But what we know is that nothing happened when he spoke that. However, this is not the only time that Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit. We know that in John's Gospel, there are a few references to the Holy Spirit. And from these we learn that the Holy Spirit is our helper, our comforter, our guide. And maybe you've heard the term paraclete. Okay, that's the Greek word that's translated, one who comes alongside. Okay. Also, we see from the following verses, Jesus always put the Spirit's arrival in the future. John chapter 7. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So there was a timetable, uh, if you will, in God's economy of when things were supposed to happen. Now this came on the heels of Jesus' declaration that we are to be a fountain of life for everyone we meet. He was talking to us. We are to be a fountain of life. Okay? a place where people draw life-giving waters, because he said, out of our hearts will flow rivers of living water. And then this is the interpretation. He said this about the Spirit. The living waters is to be the Holy Spirit. Now notice that he said anyone who believed in him was to receive the Holy Spirit. No option is given. Nothing is mentioned here or anywhere else that receiving the Holy Spirit is for some and not for others. And yet you'll hear that from time to time. But everyone is to receive the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus said, believers receive. Period. Done. Now the remaining verses give us insight as to the work and character of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to just take them in order as they appear in John's Gospel. In chapter 14 and verse 17, he says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now in our gospel reading this morning, we had that one part where it says the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. So that's one of the works. But I'm talking this morning about the works of the Holy Spirit for the believer. So I'm leaving that one out. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of truth. Now, as we've seen previously, the phrase of truth means one of two things, either possession or source. And in referencing the Holy Spirit, obviously means both, because he is the source of truth and possesses truth. But the main intention here, when it says the Spirit of truth, is that of the source of truth. And we'll see this more clearly in another verse as we come to it. Now, this verse also tells us of the future indwelling of the Holy Spirit, as we saw in the last verse, and we'll see in the next. It's a future thing. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, and I'm saying that's future in relation to Jesus on the earth. It's after his time. The Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, Jesus says here that the Holy Spirit, as the Helper, will do two things. He will teach us all things, and He will help us to recall what we have learned. Now, that phrase, to teach us all things, is a pretty broad term, don't you think? Does that mean that uh, I could just simply depend on the Holy Spirit to teach me how to be a doctor? Obviously not, okay? However, in learning to be a doctor... The Holy Spirit would be there to help me with everything that I need. Now, that much I'm aware of, that much I believe. I've had it too much, had it happen too often in my life that the Holy Spirit teaches me all things that I need to know. Now, the second thing that's given here is that the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance all that Jesus said. What we know in that is he'll bring to remembrance all that Jesus said to the disciples. That's what Jesus said. Bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, by extension, we take that to be us, too, that he'll bring to remembrance all that he has spoken to us. How do we get what Jesus has spoken to us? There's two ways. One, of course, is through the Scripture. If we read the, read the Bible and the Gospels, we find what Jesus speaks. And some of that the Lord will make true or real to you. That's what he's giving to you. And then when you learn it on Monday and forget it by Friday, but you need it on Sunday, he'll bring it back to you. That's what he's saying. Okay? He'll bring to remembrance. Second way is by the Spirit. Sometimes we get stuff just by the Spirit, driving down the highway, and boom, there's, Wow. Okay, that's pretty cool. And then the Lord will bring it to remembrance when you need it again. So the work of the Holy Spirit is constantly active in our lives. 
Another ministry of the Holy Spirit is to bear witness about Jesus. Jesus said, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. The Holy Spirit doesn't teach us about himself. He teaches us about Jesus, his ministry, his works, his love. There's no personal exaltation about the Holy Spirit, which is one of the things the early charismatics missed and some still do today, but it's not about personal exaltation of the Holy Spirit or of the person who is filled with the Spirit. The emphasis is to be on Jesus. That's the purpose. That's why we're filled with the Holy Spirit and when we testify or teach or whatever, it is to exalt the Lord. Now, the Holy Spirit was also sent to reveal the future to the apostles. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit has been sent to guide us into the truth. Getting the truth doesn't happen all at once. It's not a one-off done deal. It's not a direct deposit of everything you'll ever need to know. Okay? It's a process. Guiding us into truth is a process of revealing the things as we need them and as we become ready to receive them. Just ask yourself a simple question this morning. Do you believe things today that you had no clue of when you were 20? Probably so. You have been guided into truth as you go along. Now, that's a whole other subject of how that works. The scripture teaches us that, about how God does that and why. But we're not going to get into that today. The Holy Spirit is also sent to declare the things that are to come in the future. Again, when you think about it, this is an extremely broad subject, and there's much to say about it that we can't get into at this time. However, in the Thursday Bible studies, we keep trying to go there, find out what the future is. The Holy Spirit is sent to guide us into the truths about the future, to reveal to us things that are to come. Jesus said that the ministry of the Holy Spirit was not possible as long as he was still on the earth. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For I, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now think about the disciples standing around hearing that. Do you think they had become attached to this man, Jesus? I think so. And he perceived their sadness when he said, I'm out of here. But he said, it's to your advantage. It's to your benefit that I move on. His promise of sending the Holy Spirit was fulfilled on Pentecost when the disciples were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began proclaiming the wonderful works of God. That's, the, that's what we celebrate today, what we commemorate. And that initial experience was questionable by those who witnessed it. But that was not the purpose of the outpouring. 
What we are to know and understand this morning is that the Holy Spirit is given for very specific purposes, reasons. He was not sent to make us to look silly. He guides us. He helps us. He comforts us. He is a third person of the Trinity dwelling spiritually with us today so that we can be assured of our place in the kingdom of God. Pentecost Sunday commemorates the birth of the church and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the fulfillment of the promises made to us by Jesus. There is one major lesson that from the first Pentecostal experience that we can apply to our situation today. We are a much divided nation. And while we all speak the same language, we don't understand each other. Division. On Pentecost, a newly spirit-filled people declared the wonders of God in the divided languages of a divided humanity, which ultimately brought them together. God has a purpose for his people. And I believe in this hour, if we would begin to look at how we could fulfill one of the prayers we pray almost every Sunday in the prayers of the people, Lord, heal us of our division. We could begin to bring that about if we could learn how to look beyond the division and see how God could or would bring us together. And what can we do to aid that? What can we do to at least stop the division? We can't stop the division in the world. We can't stop the arguments, the carrying on, the harsh arguments. But we can stop from participating in it ourselves. We definitely can do that. We can learn to walk away. We can learn to speak truth. We can learn to do whatever is necessary to not keep the argument going. Yes, you're going to meet people who say things that stir you up because you just don't believe that way. But do you have to engage with their drama? Is that necessary? Usually it's not. And if you've had any experience of it at all, you find out it's non-productive. Nothing is gained by joining in. Yes, you have spoken your mind. You have made sure that your opinion is known, but nothing is gained because usually more acid is put out into the world. Let us be spirit-filled believers who bring love to a situation. Love and understanding that others are going to believe differently than we believe. And while that is the truth, it doesn't make either one of us right or either one of us wrong. It simply makes us different. Brothers and sisters, become healers in this land. Healers of the division. Because when they declared the works of God amongst a divided congregation, healing was brought together. They were ultimately brought together and in the end, at the end of that day, there was salvation. There was salvation. Because they testified to the works of God. So sometimes we may say, 
I don't know the answer to all these things. But I do know that God is sovereign and that love covers a multitude of problems.